passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And it is week three of college football here already and the recruiting does not stop. How about this, Drew? Micah Hudson, five-star off the board from the state of Texas, one of the best receivers in the country. He's going to play for Joey McGuire It seemed like Texas Tech was in the lead, and then Oregon was trying to get a visit. A couple other teams, Texas in there as well, but it's Texas Tech at the end of the day that gets it done. And then Chris Cole, one of the best linebackers in the country from the state of Virginia, he's going to go play for the Georgia Bulldogs. What a surprise. I cannot wait to talk about that linebacker room. And then Drew will get the teams of the week, freshman of the week, and then we'll get out of here. But we got a full show. Drew, with all that being said, good to see you, man. Start of a new week. How you doing? I am doing good. Uh, lots of lots of football. I feel like my game is or my life is one consistent football game. You got high school, college, now the NFL. So I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing great, man. I just, uh, you know, wife had a work trip this past weekend, so it was one of those uh, early reflection moments, I guess, in Nashville. It was like, hey, you know what? I haven't met a lot of people yet. I'm gonna just get planted on the couch and watch a ton of football. And that's what I did. I feel better about week two and what I got to, I guess, witness. Now I got some thoughts. I got to catch up on, you know, a couple of teams that I didn't get to see week one. So it was good. Productive week. But Drew, let's let's get into the recruiting news. Micah Hudson, big gift for Joey McGuire, Texas Tech, especially after 0-2 start. Tough loss to Oregon this past weekend, Wyoming week one. A little bit of heartbreak uh, through the first two weeks of the season. They needed this. Drew, what does this say about Tech, and what do you think about the fit, Micah Hudson, to Lubbock? 
Oh, Micah Hudson, I think one of the best after the catch here in the 2024 cycle. Now, we have a ton a ton of wide receivers in our top 32 right now. I think the wide receiver group is is definitely the strength of this class. And Micah polished, again, just his ability to pick up yardage once the ball in his hands. I think it's kind of unparalleled when you start comparing him to some of these other guys. So that's what I like about him, the player. And Coop, last podcast, I came on here and I said, hey, Texas Tech, you know, what happens if they're 0-2? What happens if Texas goes into Alabama and wins? Does that change things for Micah Hudson? And then you look up on Monday night and he has picked the Red Raiders. So it seemed like it was trending this way. Uh, but I do think it's notable that the Red Raiders were able to get this one across the finish line. Now, I know we still got some time before the early signing period, but I, I thought an 0-2 start could have certainly affected how things were going in this recruitment and it was the complete opposite so I I was completely wrong there huge pickup and this is a guy that they have been working ever since Joey McGuire arrived there in Lubbock and he is going to be the highest ranked signee ever for Texas Tech assuming you know he goes through and and puts pen to paper and Cooper what I also thought was notable looking through the history of the recruiting classes Texas Tech has never had a five-star talent sign with them so this is huge for a variety of different reasons that kind of blows my mind you you would think somewhere along the way when you look back mike leach or somebody before that would have gotten that done at some point so it is a historical moment for texas tech and joy mcguire and i think ultimately at the end of the day kind of shows where he's got that program going let's talk a little bit about micah hudson if you're not familiar with him as we alluded to five-star talent ranked currently number 19 by 24-7 sports in a stacked receiver class, number seven receiver, number four player in the state of Texas. 2022 stat line went like this, 65 receptions over 1,198 yards, receiving 14 touchdowns as well, over 18 yards per catch. 2023, 17 receptions, 317 yards, four touchdowns in three games. He's also been featured, I think, a couple of times on the top five plays of of the 24-7 sports recruiting show. Drew, on here, on the rundown, I got Gabe Brooks. The comparison that he has for Micah Hudson is Garrett Wilson, another guy that played in the state of Texas out of Austin in Lake Travis. For me, I kind of feel Jackson Smith and the Jigba. And the reason I say that is because you you look at Micah Hudson, you start to dissect the athlete a little bit. I have more, I don't want to say questions. I'm so much more convicted on the player than I am the athlete. And I think a lot of the receivers in the class, I mean, you, you go down the list and you start looking at some of these guys that we have ranked at the top of the board. I mean, you look at guys like Jeremiah Smith. That's a different story. But Ryan Wingo, right? Bryant Wesco, Perry Thompson, so on and so forth, Cameron Coleman. These are guys that are like bubbling athletes with sky-high potential. Micah Hudson, to me, is a football player savant. Like you, you, you turn on the tape and it's exceptional short area quickness, exceptional suddenness, beautiful and natural route runner, knows how to separate. I think there's some questions about the top end speed. But I think his ability to change gears in it, in and out of his routes is kind of what makes him special. And his ability to attack the football and make 50-50 plays down the field 
and he's got really good run after catch ability. I think Drew, I think he's going to I think he's going to start immediately at Texas Tech, but it, he's di- he's different in the way that he's a he, he's not like this prototype like every other guy, I guess, in the top 32 that we have at his position. He's just a really really good football player. Feels like Brandon Ennis from last cycle, right? For sure. Um, no, I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. You, you rattled off that group of wide receivers. I mean, those are all, as you said, traits, heavy, you know, verified athletic markers. And, and Micah Hudson's a multi-sport guy. I, I think for me, if if you stack him up in that group, he is the most ready to see a high volume of targets. And you'll see it at Lake Belton. I mean, they'll put him sometimes in the backfield at running back. Like they scheme it up for him. And I think there's no reason why Texas tech wouldn't do the same. And Coop, I, I, I agree. I mean, he is day one, probably ready to go. So if we want to start, get, you know, get, get to work on our big 12 potential impact freshman in 2024, I think you can pencil in Micah Hudson for both of us. Cause this is a guy that is going to be in the lineup. Um, big picture wise, huge for, Texas Tech, they're up to 23 in the rankings, and they got a good quarterback committed, Will Hammond, who impressed us at the Elite 11 Finals, and he's off to a heck of a start to his senior season. Uh, what He's already thrown for, what is it, 1,100 yards? <laughs> 1,300 yards, 12 TDs, only two INTs. We're only through three games of Will Hammond's season. Not to I mention think- he's got another 220-plus yards on the ground with eight touchdowns there as well. So, yeah, he's, he's off to a uh, blazing start. Yeah, if you want to buy stock in that Hammond to Hudson combo, like <laughs> they, they should make some shirts in Lubbock that it's like Hammond, Hudson, 2025, 2026, because I, I, I think that is potentially a, a, a fruitful combination. Good things coming in Lubbock. Just a reminder, you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast. That is Apple, Spotify included. And if you have a question for Wednesday's mailbag episode, which is tomorrow, by the way, make sure to leave a review wherever you find your podcast. That is the best place to do it. Producer Lance Glenn will make sure he gets that question to us. Also, you can respond on Twitter. The recruiting news is not done for the day yet. How about Chris Cole, one of the best linebackers in the country, top 247 linebacker from the state of Virginia. Another one for Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, defense coordinator at UGA. Drew, this kid, big fan, right? You're a big fan. You've long been a big fan of this kid. I turned on the senior tape. I love this kid. We got him ranked, I think, number 63 in the top 247, one of the best linebackers in the country. Think about this linebacker room for Georgia. Think about the guys that they had in 2023, Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen, Troy Bowles, and then what they're bringing in this year with Justin Williams, now Chris Cole, and Christopher Jones. They are absolutely loaded there. Drew, talk to me a little bit about Chris Cole and why you like him at uh, with the Bulldogs. I mean, three-down linebacker is what he can be, and I think the fit at Georgia, I mean, they're going to put him in position to succeed and Chris Cole is a guy I got to see up in Baltimore at one of those Under Armour camps and I remember in kind of the weeks leading up to that we had shot him up into the top 247 well before anyone else in the industry had kind of stamped him and we loved the 
profile on Chris Cole. We loved the junior tape, and we just wanted to see him in person. And he looked the part. I mean, he is 6'3", 210 pounds, so he is lean. Former safety that has moved up into the box. And Coop, I watched some of his senior stuff here um, when he committed on Sunday, and it looks like he has started to fill out. And I think that is a a very positive for Georgia. Probably still going to need a developmental year or two, but I think the upside is there. He reminds me of former Texas linebacker Demarion Overshawn, who went day two or day three in the NFL draft to the Dallas Cowboys. Same thing with uh, Overshawn, you know, former safety, moved up into the box. You always want to see those guys going forward. You can make that transition. Now, I, I love Chris Cole, and it's an embarrassment of riches for Glenn Schumann Uh, Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp in the middle of that defense, like the competition on the practice fields in Athens, just just to get on the field, like the actual game field. I mean, that's what you want to see. I would have to bet that not all six of those names that I just mentioned are going to finish their careers in Athens. That's okay. That's a good thing. Drew, how about this? Six, three and a half. 210, like you mentioned, he's got an 80-inch wingspan. I think he's going to put on another anywhere from 20 to 25 pounds to his frame. You know the other thing you mentioned? He used to play safety, right? So linebacker position is still relatively new to him. Justin Williams was the same. He's only been playing linebacker for two years. But I like the fact that you have guys that have a defensive back skill set, especially when it comes to coverage, being able to drop. They're long, reactionary guys that can run, that can play sideline to sideline. The most encouraging thing about Chris Cole and his senior tape is his ability to bang between the tackles. No lack of physicality or willingness there at all. And I don't think you can play at the University of Georgia unless you, you, no pun intended, unless you have that dog in you, right? I think Chris Cole, Chris Jones, and Justin Williams all got that dog in them. You know the other thing I was thinking about, Andrew? What happens if Clemson stumbles? And I wonder if like Sammy Brown is actually back in play. Can you imagine that? You didn't see the uh, the graphic or what he posted on Twitter on Friday. You didn't see this. Was this about after the game? Yeah, the the opposing student section. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, but they said he made a mistake, and it was something that had to do with Duke, right? And then he went off in that game, and I don't know. It's it felt like in confirmation that he was still solid to Clemson in an odd way. We got Florida State in two weeks heading up to Clemson, right? That's going to be a game. I wonder what happens there. That's a little bit of a crossroads game for Dabo Sweeney, so we'll see. Drew, I think it's time for Teams of the Week. I'll let you have the tee box. And let's start with a program right there in the state of Florida. Andrew's Team of the Week, drum roll, please. University of Miami, throw up the U. Big dub for Miami this weekend. They beat number 23, Texas A&M, and Connor Wigman, 48-33. to Drew, we kind of had this game circled coming into week two. Didn't really know what to expect. We knew this was going to be a big game for Jimbo Fisher and Mario Cristobal, and whoever was going to win was going to have the the wind at their back, that feel-good type of feeling on the recruiting trail very early in the season. And right now it's Miami. I can't say I'm surprised, but it's a big win for the Canes. Drew, your team of the week, dish it out. Why? Because this felt like a game that Miami wasn't going to get up for, right? They've been in these out-of-conference games in recent years, and they just haven't gone Miami's way. 
and you look up and they're down 10-0 in the first quarter and it's like well here here's another one where no one really steps up and it's a disappointment and they battled back and then it was 17 to 7 in the second quarter they were down and it was kind of the same thing and I, I just think it was an all-around complete performance from Miami and where it really stands out to me is the coordinator hires for Mario Cristobal. I mean, Shannon Dawson, I thought he called an excellent game in terms of moving pieces around, getting guys open in space, uh, and really letting Tyler Van Dyke be Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, what was he? Uh, Threw for 374 yards, five touchdowns. When he was pressured, he was three of five for 102 yards and and a touchdown. I mean, this was one of Tyler Van Dyke's best performances ever in a Miami jersey, and I think Shannon Dawson was a big reason for that. On the defensive side of the ball, Lance Guidry, probably a name a lot of people don't know out there in the college football world. I think he, if they can keep this up, is going to be a uh, hot name when it comes to defensive coordinators, and and you got to tip your cap for Mario Cristobal. I mean, he took his time, and he seems to have gotten the right guy. Miami pressured Connor Wegman all game, um, and and when when Connor had a clean pocket, he was he was uh, picking apart Miami. But the Hurricanes brought the pressure, and then really, I mean, for me, just having seen a, a ton of these guys in high school. Everyone seemed to be firing on all cylinders, like Brashard Smith with the 98-yard kickoff return touchdown. I mean, that's someone we had inside the top 247. It's kind of been like, where has Brashard Smith been these past few seasons? And he makes a monster play at the start of the third quarter to really shoot life into Miami's sidelines when the game was still up in the air, still in doubt. I thought James Williams, the safety Big question mark with him has always been, hey, do, how physical does he want to be? We're talking about a guy that's 6'3", 220 pounds. He was hitting people. And I, I think the transfers uh, – Coop, I, I don't know if you're going to have any context to this take, but I thought Miami just looked bigger across the board, primarily in the secondary. I don't know if that's year two of the strength program there. Um, but some of these defensive backs, Jaden Davis, who transferred in from Oklahoma to Corey Couch, who has been there for a long time, like those guys looked way more physically developed than they have ever been. So I just thought top to bottom, I mean, huge weekend for Miami, um, huge weekend for that fan base. And we teased it, right? Uh, you know, this is going to be the type of win that gives Miami some ammunition on the recruiting trail. Like that is Mario Cristobal's X factor. The recruiting, and now he just got a, a monster win. So you can sure as hell bet he is working the phones uh, and going to use this to his advantage, if, especially if they can keep it rolling, get to 5-0 and heading into that Clemson game. Mario needed this. This was this was a big win for the program. I kind of talked about it on Saturday on, on HQ, but it's, it's almost like a show of faith game. There's been so much invested into that Miami program, not only financially, but emotionally by that fan base. And now it was kind of, it was time to see a little bit of the return on investment, right? Like, Hey, we, we, we believe you're the guy, but you went five and seven last year. We love the way you're recruiting, but we want to see it on the field. Proof of concept, go beat a sec West team. That is one of the most talented teams in the country, even though they underachieve and they're super disappointing, go beat that team. That's what you're supposed to do. And the good thing is, I think that's going to create, momentum for Miami going forward, especially in the stands, right? 
And that's that's another part of the conversation that we haven't had yet. Kirk Herbstreet took a shot at Miami, which I think was very fair, right? But all credit to Miami and their fan base. I thought they they showed out and did what they had to do. I thought it was a big win on multiple levels for yeah. Mario, and he needed it. And you mentioned it, it being in the stands. Like I think it's a confidence builder in the locker room. So much turnover there. So many guys leaving, guys coming in. And when you can get a win like that, it, people rally around it in terms of, of the locker room. All right, we can do this. We're good. So I, I would agree absolutely uh, in terms of that sense. Just having covered that program previously, I've seen the ebbs and flows, you know, I, I, I think that could set them up for a promising season. I think maybe one thing that maybe I'm looking into it too much, the hires after year one with Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele, those are two guys that have, to some extent, been there, right? Josh Gaddis at Penn State, at Alabama, at Michigan, wins the award for the best offensive coordinator. Kevin Steele, long history as well. Now you bring in guys like Shannon Dawson from Houston, who did phenomenal work with Clayton Toon under Dana Holgerson. Lance Gidry started all the way back in McNeese State, took a job at Marshall for a cup of coffee, or was at Marshall for a little bit, Tulane for a cup of coffee. These dudes are hungry dudes. And I think that benefits Mario. I think that benefits Miami. And I think we've seen that. These guys, have cut, they've cut it loose. And I'll tell you what, Miami played, they're, pl- they're playing fast to me. Yeah. Like w- when you watch them, it's not like, what is this team There's not, stepping in their own mud, whatever it is. They look like a team that's fast, physical, playing downhill. It seems like, and this is more on the defensive side of the ball, like they're not afraid to make a mistake. In terms of they're playing full speed. If you're going to make a mistake, they're going to do it full speed. I thought they were a really good open field tackling team as well. Which was an, has been an issue in the past. Again, I, I thought that the defense, like from a physical standpoint, Miami hasn't looked like that in a while in terms of like how they were built in the offseason through the strength and conditioning program. On the recruiting end, LJ McCray. Number eight defensive lineman, a guy that you love. He was at the game. Same with Booker Pickett, one of the top edges in the country. Miami currently with the number 16 class. Drew, a little tidbit here. You're a big fan of Zaquan Patterson, right? Yeah, I, I saw Zaquan Patterson, their prized safety commit on Friday, second time this season. And you look at Miami's defense, going to lose probably James Williams, who I was just talking about, Cam Kitchens, who left that game with a scary injury in the fourth quarter. Um, I think Zaquan Patterson's a guy that can step in and play. Now, is he going to have a starting role? I don't know, but that guy's going to be on special teams units. He's going to see the field. So, um, yeah, again, they're going to have some momentum on the recruiting trail. Mario is going to use this. I'm actually going to go up to Daytona Beach mainland on Friday night to see LJ McRae play. We kind of called it uh, a few months ago, you know, right before the summer. I thought LJ McCray was going to be a priority for many, and it seems like that is absolutely the case. Miami battling Georgia, Florida State, Auburn, Florida, all for him. 
we will be talking about him through the early signing period, I would anticipate. Bethune-Cookman at Temple, Georgia Tech at home. And then you got North Carolina on the road in Chapel Hill and then Clemson the following week. Drew, before that game in North Carolina, is Miami 5-0 and in your eyes? Yeah, I got my North Carolina-Clemson games mixed up. Yes, I, I would think they're going to be 5-0. and Let's hope so. I don't want to see a blunder, right? You want to turn the corner, you got to win those next three games, and then that's setting up for a huge matchup against Drake May. Talked about that secondary. James Williams, Cam Kitchens, Jaden Davis coming over from Oklahoma. That's going to be a big test for them. But you got to take it week by week if you're Miami. All right, Drew, team of the week for me. Layup here. How about those Longhorns, huh? Sheesh. I had them to cover. I did not have them to win, which I think was about 98% of the United States of America. They go into Tuscaloosa, beat Alabama 34-24. to It's the first time Nick Saban ever in his career at Alabama has lost a game by 10 points at home. What was it? Alabama had lost five times since 2008 at home. The quarterbacks in those games for opposing teams, Joe Burrow, Chad Kelly, Johnny Manziel, Jared Lee, Jordan Jefferson. One of these is not like the others. <laughs> and Cam an outlier. <laughs> That's LSU's 2011 defense. <laughs> And then you got Quinn Ewers. I'll tell you this, man. Quinn Ewers, I saw a different side of him just in terms of like demeanor that I didn't know he had to him. He looked locked in. He looked focused. You talk about him being vocal, complete command of that offense. Texas looked like a different team. Here's the other thing I'll say. Texas looked like the better team for the entire 60 minutes. They looked more physical. They own the line of scrimmage. And then from a schematic standpoint and at the quarterback position, they had the advantage as well. Do you feel like they're ready to go in the SEC? I mean, the answer's got to be yes, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I just, I've I've been at the point with Texas is show me. You got to show me. Now, the next step of their development is sustainability and consistency. Now you got to do this week in and week out. You beat Alabama at their place, something that is incredibly difficult to do. You smoke the stogies in the locker room. Do your thing. Talk your trash. Back it up. You earned it. Now you got to do it week in and week out because now you got the target on your back. You already had the target on your back because you're Texas. But now that you knocked off Alabama, more expectations, right? So how are you going to handle it? How about Jatavian Sanders? I thought he was awesome. And I remember us sneaking him in the 32 in the 2021 cycle. I think he finished 31 in the rankings. Smart move. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> I mean, tight ends, where do they go in the NFL draft? But he, he, was, he was a difference maker. And Alabama did not have much answers for him in that secondary. Quinn Ewers... I felt like this is the performance we were waiting for, right? And you brought up an interesting point in terms of that fire, that competitive spirit. You saw it 
could have had more touchdown passes. Then an Xavier Worthy drop one right, like right in his hands in the end zone. I mean, lights out performance for him. Took care of the football, which is difficult to do. I, I thought in the trenches, Texas looked like they they belonged on that stage. I mean, just all around, what a performance for them. 24 38, 349 yards, three touchdowns. That will do against Alabama at their place. Drew, the flip side of this, Alabama. I said this weekend, whatever happens in this game, I think there's going to be a massive overreaction. One of two things was going to happen Texas was going to win, and then it was going to be Texas is back. Here's the thing, though I'm actually on board with Texas. Texas showed me enough to say, okay, let's ride. I think I think we got a not only a CFP contending team, I do think this is a team that can win can win it all. Alabama. I don't know. I said at the beginning of the season, I thought their ceiling was 10 and 2. I thought a lot of people overlooked their quarterback situation because who their head coach was. That offensive line struggled. Caden Proctor, number one offensive lineman in the country, he's going to be a damn good football player. But he hadn't seen a front like he saw against Texas on Saturday. I don't know, Drew. Everybody's like, you know, Alabama bounce back. and Yeah, maybe they'll bounce back. But what's the standard at Alabama now? That's what I want to know. You hear Nick Saban after the game. You hear Tyler Booker after the game. Well, things change and college football is different. This is Alabama we're talking about. What happened to these guys? I know. You saw the video I, I put in our group chat of Amari Nyblack, right? On, on social media after the game. And I think it was an easy shot for whoever took it, Barstool or, or whatnot. But I, I do think it raises a good question. Like, what is, what is the pulse of that? Like, who, who are the alphas of the team? Who's keeping people in check? Well, last year you had Bryce Young and you had Will Anderson. Those guys went, what, one in three? Right. And here's the other thing. How much did Bryce Young cover up last year? Yeah, I think Jalen Miller kind of is who he is, right? Well, people keep saying, well, oh, schematically, and he'll improve. Yeah, maybe he will improve, but I don't know how you look at a performance from Quinn Ewers and Jalen Milrow and tell me that one team is heading in one direction and the other team is kind of are what they are. Unless the quarterback play drastically changes, this is, you know what, this is not like, to me, Alabama's best offense was Jalen Milrow outside of the structure of Alabama's offense. Yeah. I'll have this written down right here. Like, what is the long-term plan at quarterback for Alabama? If I were them, I'm going into the portal. Again. I think they got to go in the portal. But I do think they got a good one on the way. Now, I don't think he's he's going to be able to go in 2024, but Julian saying, I think what he has done so far as a senior, 
And I don't, I don't know if we want to get into this now, but it's been pretty impressive. I, I have been impressed with him more so than I ever was with the guys they have taken in, in recent cycles. I, I think his first few games of the senior season, he is doing some things I didn't know he was capable of doing in terms of evading pressure. He's ran for, I think, over 200 yards, uh, and he's super accurate. We saw that at the Elite 11 finals. So Julian Sain's a guy that they got to hold on to, and I'm not inferring that others are looking to make a run at Julian Sain, but he is vital to the future of that program. Julian Sain, 4-0 so far this season at Carlsbad, 67 of 85. 78% 78% completion rate, 873 yards, 11 touchdowns, no INTs. To me, he's kind of like riding on the back of that momentum that he built at Elite 11 and OT7. I mean, he's just been hell of an offseason. He's propelled it into the early season as a as a senior. And I think they've scored over 29 points in all four of those games. What I like about Julian Sane as well is like he's playing in a a, like a modern pro style attack. It's not, it's not like it's all easy gimme type throws. I mean, he goes under center, uh, he pushes it down the field. I, I've just been impressed. And I know he was in that ESPN game or whatever it was on ESPN too, but he, out of all the quarterbacks I've watched, he's, he's, he's having a heck of a senior season. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches if you're Alabama, you keeping your eyes up uh, in Columbus? I think so, right? Only makes sense. And you're talking about what, Devin Brown? or Sounds like Devin Brown. That would be I mean, the guy that I, that I would have my, my eyes on. I mean, Alabama was linked to two different quarterbacks this offseason. Tyler Van Dyke, who we saw what he did against Texas A&M, and then to his brother at at Maryland. I mean, you would think they will be shopping. They need to be aggressive. I don't know how I don't I don't know how much longer Coach Saban has. You got to think like, if I'm him, let's do whatever we need to do. Let's push the chips in one or two more years. You know, go get Sam Hartman, like Notre Dame did this past year. Whatever it takes. All right, Drew, freshman of the week. I love seeing this one. <laughs> Andrew Ivins, Dante Moore. 
If you're not familiar with him from MLK, number three quarterback in the country, number four overall for us at 24-7 sports. How about this? First start, 17-27, 290 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs, UCLA. 35-10 win at San Diego State. San Diego State team, that was 2-0, right? I don't think that's like that's a good group of five Mountain West opponent. Drew, I said it on Saturday, like, he doesn't look like a freshman. Did you, have you seen this game, like the highlights from it? I've seen a little bit of it, yes. I mean, Chip Kelly, I guess, was asked afterwards, like, is Dante Moore quarterback one? And he made it seem like Ethan Garbers, who didn't play in the game, and then Colin Sheely, the the transfer, were still in the mix. And I don't know how, because I thought Dante Moore was awesome. Like, he could be must-watch TV in that 10 p.m., 9 p.m. slot, wherever you are. I mean, he was dropping dimes. The, the first touchdown pass, RPO, quick release, hits his guy right over the middle for a, a, a long touchdown. Uh, another touchdown pass, sidearm, running back coming out of the backfield. I mean, like, I knew Dante Moore was good. I have had a ton of exposure to Dante Moore, but in his first career start, I was kind of like in, in awe watching the highlights from Dante Moore. And I, I didn't even have him as my freshman of the week. I was going to give it to my guy, Cam Linhart, Nebraska defensive lineman, edge rusher. Uh, but then I watched Dante Moore, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't know how he is not quarterback one. He is the real deal, as good as advertised. Um, it was impressive. It's never too big for him. Never has been, whatever stage. What was he? Was he a three- or four-year starter at MLK? Four. Four. And then you watch him come into the game against Coastal Carolina. Connects on a long touchdown to J. Michael Sturdivant. He's a vet, man. He's a yeah. pro's pro. 40 and 11 at in high school. Two state titles. Also led his team to a state championship game. I wonder if Don... Go ahead. loves football. Like, likes football. I wonder if he can have a... Caleb Williams type impact to the UCLA program, maybe in a more watered down way. It is interesting, right? Because once Caleb Williams leaves after this year, that's going to be Dante Moore's city in terms of the quarterback position. Here's kind of been my thought. It's like, man, Oregon, they let him slip away. I think my biggest question moving forward once Bo Nix leaves at Oregon is quarterback. Michael Van Buren, their quarterback here, commit here in the 2024 cycle, has struggled. Seen him twice already this season. He has struggled as a senior at St. Francis Academy, which is 0-4. Luke Moga, project. You got Nova Sad as well. Yeah, who I thought we liked. As a senior, thought it was a mixed bag in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. I don't know. I, I, I just That's the position I wonder about. And then you look at Dante Moore and his first extended action, and it's like, okay, like this could have been the guy for them. He, he, he wouldn't have been the guy. He would have been the guy 
like championship contender, the guy. Would have fit their timeline perfectly. He he was kind of the guy. Oregon's got they're they're building towards that team of what they're going to be, and he would have been the guy to make it go. And every year, I think it's Chris Hummer that does the story right around the early signing period or signing dates. It's like recruitments. Like what would have happened if these recruitments had gone the other way? And I, you can already just see the narrative with Dante Moore, assuming he keeps this up. If that was an NIL deal, you, you would figure Oregon and Phil Knight would have been hard to beat there. My freshman of the week, Anthony Hill. This guy made it pretty easy. Number one linebacker in the country, Denton Ryan, Texas. Through the comp I've always had for him, another Denton Ryan guy, Drew Sanders. I thought the on-off-ball versatility, the ability off the edge. God, what a prov- I don't even know if Texas knew that was coming. I felt like they had him in the game. He started to make some plays, and then they were like, okay, he's kind of got the hot hand here. Yeah. And they started to ramp him up, and it was just a total feel thing. That's kind of what I felt with Pete Kukowski. I mean, they put him in the play, they, they put him in the game to be the quarterback spy on Jalen Milrow. Makes a couple plays. He had one play. He over-pursued, recovers, still makes a play on a third down. Four pressures, two sacks on 11 pass rush snaps. Played 25 snaps, only had 22 the week before. And you talk about a difference maker, man. Made some timely plays for Texas. Feeling good about that that five-star ranking? The five-star ranking, yes. I don't think that was... Maybe it was. The question was, or the conversation was, Raylan Wilson or Anthony Hill? And we got a long way to go. But it's always refreshing to see that type of performance, right? Absolutely. What a stud, man. Hey, you got some other... Fr- hey, Drew, I know you got some other guys, honorable mentions, but I found one myself. I got I to gotta give myself a pat on the back here. How about London Humphreys from Vandy? Yeah. How about okay. that? Four catches, 109 yards. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. My guy, man. We had him. If you, if you listen to the pod, you know that we broke down every Power 5 conference. Potential freshman impact. London Humphreys was on there for the boys. Good showing. Cam Linhart. Didn't expect that. We had yeah, him go ahead, on there. Sir. Yeah, we had him on there, what, two sacks, five pressures, and Nebraska's loss to Colorado. I don't know if you want to get into Nebraska, but he seems to be like one of the few bright spots he looks physically different (laughs) like he looks like he's played college football for about three years i I went back and i was reading my evaluation (laughs) and i was this is my favorite line i have in there it's like uh where is it should be viewed as a bit of a boomer bust type of prospect given the position and you know he's gonna boom i think and i thought i thought the biggest question with Cam was like wherever he went, the defensive staff had to just embrace him being what he is. And I think Nebraska has done that. 
Right. Don't try to get all cute. Don't move him around from role to role. Just figure out what he's good at and just let him go. And and Nebraska's is doing just that. He went from linebacker to edge to now playing in a three point stance. That was like the last three years of high school or the last two years. I mean, you talk about an evolution in the player. We didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. And it went backer. Is he edge? Is he a defensive lineman? We had no idea. Was committed to Nebraska before Matt Rule was hired, decommitted, and then ended up signing with the. It's like no one really, no one really made a run at him, which I find surprising. I think he visited, took an official visit to Maryland, but I mean he was there for the taking, and he looks like one of the gems of that an inaugural class for Matt Rule. All right, shout out Brad Crawford because you know Brad Crawford's a South Carolina guy. <laughs> Nicholas Harbor on the board, the five-star, Drew. You talk about boom or bust. One catch, seven yards, but it was a touchdown. South Carolina beats Furman 47-21. to I think that game was actually pretty close in the first half. Good to see him get some run, though. Yeah. Hopefully he's going to be fine. More. Yeah. He's going to be fine. Hopefully it leads to more. We have a potential matchup of the two top freaks here this upcoming Saturday. Georgia, South Carolina. I would love to see Nicholas Harbor in the slot draw Malachi Starks in coverage. Odds of it happening, probably small, but it could. It could. <laughs> I could see you just putting your head on the pillow at night, and that's what you're thinking about. It's the last thing. <laughs> Dear God, just give me a... Give me a Nicholas Harbor Malachi Starks one on one matchup in the slot. It might be in the second half when uh, the game is out of reach, but it, it could happen. Hey, wasn't that long ago? South Carolina, Will Muschamp went into Athens. They stole one from Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. All right, Drew, another one. How about this one? We're sitting on the desk right here where I am now. We're doing the HQ hit. Not on the rundown is UVA James Madison. And then all of a sudden, they cut to the highlight and they want us to talk about it. And I'm like, is that our guy out there? Just dealing? Yeah. Help me out with the last name. Is it Calandre? Anthony Calandria. Calandria. For Virginia at quarterback. And he was a guy that I, I highlighted for Virginia as the potential impact freshman was in there because of injury. I I was watching this on my phone, I'm going to be honest, from a uh, a CrossFit event. I was watching it on my phone. And I had told a bunch of people, you know, everyone always hits me up for, uh, I don't know, that for some reason they think I'm going to have gambling insights. And I'm like, this kid is starting for Virginia. I It, it could be, it could be bad. And because uh, he, he can produce some magic, but at the same time, like he is, mistake prone and uh he shut me up 20 of 26 377 yards two tds did throw a pick i mean virginia lost to james madison but that's kind of exactly what i thought anthony calandria is like he is he's fun to watch i call it organized chaos in the pocket he will extend plays he's got that little like johnny manzel to him in terms of like what are you about to do and then it just kind of kind of works out so if i'm Tony Elliott in Virginia, like I would just ride with this guy, in my opinion. There's no way he's six feet, right? 
<laughs> That's a battle I've been fighting for over a year now, Cooper. Listen, I'm a huge fan of this guy. He looked like he was 14 years old. It's like five, but he was spinning it. I mean, 377 yards. Former Middle Tennessee State commit. I remember when you brought this guy up to me, you're like, Coop, this guy can deal. <laughs> Some guys just got it, man. All right, last one, Drew. Eric Singleton Jr., another guy that we had on the uh, freshman to watch. Did we? We did. That was my pick. Georgia Let's Tech, go. baby. Let's go. I was, I was, Re- I was, I was wondering if we had, I, I think I had their running back. You did. Yeah, you had a running back. I had Singleton. Three catches, 69 yards, touchdown in Georgia Tech's 48-13 to 13 win over South Carolina State. Singleton Jr. is now scored in back-to-back weeks. Flipped him from Western Kentucky. 10-6-9, Drew. Just one of those guys, right? So easy to slip through the cracks. Those are the dudes at the end of the day that I think you and I are just like, let's put a net around those guys and make sure they don't, if they can run, they got some ball skills, they can do some things, then we don't want to miss on those guys. Well, I, I put them down here for two reasons. Senior evaluations and Western Kentucky. <laughs> I've graded a lot of their 2024 commits here recently. Dude, they are that class they have is full of, of guys that should not be going to Western Kentucky. So they're going to be pissed that I'm saying that, um, but it's worth... It's worth the buzz. And they had Eric Singleton Jr. committed last cycle. I thought it was a steal. I remember late Auburn made a run at him. Texas A&M made a run at him. And he ends up at Georgia Tech. And uh, we had him ranked higher than anyone else. And he looks like he's going to be a a difference maker for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, from the highlights I've seen, like leaping up in the air, uh, just a plus athlete um, and a fun player to watch in the ACC. Ole Miss had the Western Kentucky transfer that went off this week against Tulane, right? Yes. I believe. And then there was something else about Western Kentucky. No, I'm looking at I'm looking at their class right now, trying to get the break. So why do you think that is? Like you, you know, like you you going through that class. What is there any commonalities with these guys that you think Western Kentucky's able to pluck them? I just think they they make some good evaluations, and unlike some of these other group of five schools, they didn't race out the gates to build out their recruiting classes. It was more more later in the summer. I think they waited to see who maybe would would fall to them. But I mean, I was at a game on on Friday night, and one of their defensive line commits. I mean, I was like, I, I was texting people at other schools. I'm like, yo, make a run at this kid. <laughs> you you need to watch the tape. So, uh, I kudos to that recruiting department, and I think they got a good staff of ties to uh, Georgia and Florida, um, and that's really helping the Hilltoppers. Currently, right? Do I have this right? 134th is that the current ranking? <laughs> Well, the issue is, is other people aren't grading their kids, so it's not calculating Uh-oh. in in the uh, in the composite. We uh, we at twenty four seven sports though treat every FBS program the same. <laughs> Shout out from Drew! What a great way to end the show. A little love for Western Kentucky, man. They do a great job. Drew, any final thoughts before we get out of here? 
head for the hump day. I I got nothing. I know you, I know you're up on a uh, up against the clock. I was gonna I was gonna outline the most ridiculous ending to a, a high school football game I've ever seen. We got you time. Got, you got you got a minute. We do. Controversial. Coco, Florida's defending two M state champ playing St. Thomas Aquinas, which I think is the four M state champ Friday night. Caught the second half of the game, and uh, it turned out to be the game. Coco was up one point with 128 left on the clock. STA had no timeouts, so no timeouts. Coco ended up losing the game. I've never seen malpractice from officials like it ever before. Um, Some phantom calls, some phantom clockwork, uh, and STA somehow got the ball back went down and kicked a field goal with, I don't know, six seconds left. And it's it's a big deal down here in the state of Florida. Uh, they appealed it to the FHSAA, and I guess they're doing nothing about it. Um, but if you want to read about a ridiculous game, that Coco St. Thomas Aquinas will live in infamy down in South Florida. Everything you tell me about just like Florida high school football, it feels like FIFA. <laughs> it's kind of one, wild, right? One one twenty eight left. I mean, in theory, you could just knee it three times. In the game All right, so take over. me take me back through it again. One twenty eight left. Coco has the ball. They knee it. STA calls timeout, but they don't have a timeout. Somehow, timeout is honored. Coco's sideline loses it. They get a fifteen yard penalty. Move the ball back. Coco knees it again. STA starts a mini scrum. Probably should have been some ejections for punches thrown. They walk off the penalty. Should have been an automatic first down. No automatic first down. Now there's about 40 seconds left in the game. Coco knees it again, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to punt because we can't turn it over on downs. So they punt the ball away. Flag. STA. Too many men on the field. Flag. All of a sudden waved off for no reason. STA. Next play. 32-yard bomb down to the two-yard line, kick a field goal and win. Dude. <laughs> um, if this was like a college game, it would with like the gambling implications. I feel shame. I feel shame just hearing that from you. I know. And then I stood because I was trying to grab some of the guys afterwards, get some get some headshots, and I heard Coco's the head coach's post-game speech, and I have a ton of respect for that guy. He he basically told the team, that's life. I mean, there were some curse words in there. Uh, you're going to get fired from a job one day. It's not going to be your fault. You're going to get you know pulled over one day and get a ticket, and it's not going to be your fault. I thought it was a pretty inspiring speech uh, just about them getting screwed. So uh, they got a fan in me this season, the Coco Tigers. Yeah, big fan of the uh, big fan of the cocoa over here, the Oyster Boys. Yeah, that's uh, I've never heard anything like that. And you're you're saying from your experience, probably no repercussions whatsoever. No, I've never seen someone get so screwed. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That shouldn't happen, man. Especially to those kids. That's unfortunate. Um, well, hate to end the show on that one, but I mean, it's a good story, right? Tale for another time. Um, all right, guys, for Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, who's not here today, off day for him. We are back tomorrow. Mailbag. And tomorrow's a mailbag episode. So we got to make sure that you guys get some questions in. Right now is the time to do that. 
You can do that when you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast on Spotify, Apple, especially on Apple. Make sure to leave a review. That is where you ask the question. We want some hard-hitting questions. Make sure to bring it to us. For Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Patagna. We'll see you back here tomorrow. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.